What do you see as some of the biggest mistakes or, or even wrong mindsets in young men today? <laughs> I'll give you the number one one. The number one is that I can't ask for help. I mean, I hate to say it. I'm just like that. I'm wired like that. I ought to know this stuff. So asking for help, I've discovered, is the number one biggest challenge guys face. However, once they admit to that, and generally it's for one of two reasons, it's either they have great pain in one or all of these areas, and they've just kind of had it. They're in a point of almost desperation. I got to get some help in this area. Or there's great vision to grow bigger and better in these areas. That's the motivator that gets them going. This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And I got to tell you, I am really excited for this one. We have Todd Isburner with us. Todd, so excited to have you on the call today. Well, I'm equally as excited, Caleb. I think The Chosen is a great way to share the things that matter most in life. You got to live up to that now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. No pressure. I was trying to think back. How long ago was it that you and I met at that CEO of Your Life event? Yeah, it was in September of last year, September of 2021. Okay. And is that when you joined King's Council? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. I was interested in it because I had seen some information about it online. I think I, back months earlier, jumped in on a challenge, like a five-day challenge or something that King's Council was doing. And was just kind of fascinated because I was hearing a lot of God talk and a lot of money talk yeah. and all these other things. I thought, well, hey, this is really interesting. I wonder where it's going to go. And then my inbox got hit with a, an opportunity to go do this thing called Upgrade Your Human. I think, what in the world yes. is that? So it provided me an opportunity to respond to a challenge that I thought was going to be easier than it turned out to be. The Upgrade right. Your Human really does test you physically, mentally, emotionally, not so others can see, but so you can find out for yourself, what have I got in here? What am I made of? What am I willing to endure and push through? Which is a great metaphor for life. It was a wonderful opportunity, great experience. And that led to the next day of attending the CEO of Your Life event where you and I met. We were both yes. kind of sitting there wide-eyed wondering, what's this all about? Yes. <laughs> and it turned out better than we thought. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it feels like King's Council and you are kind of tailor-made for each other because All the things that you talk about, whether it be faith or family, fitness, finances, these are all the things that we talk about. So you and Wendy have both been such an amazing addition to the tribe. Obviously, we had Wendy on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I think the Bible says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. And I tell you what, (laughs) man, (laughs) I know you know this, but I think you hit the jackpot there. 
So. Uh, so, so true. I still, once in a while, just ask God, what were you thinking? I mean, I don't deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I know, I know, but I got it covered. Yeah, she's amazing. Right. Like I said, I'm so excited to dive into your story. Obviously, you're an author, you're a coach. You've done so much in the fundraising world for Christians, and now you're launching more programs for young men and mentoring them. So, so much for us to talk about today. But why don't we hear it from you? Why don't you just give us a little bit of your background? Give us an overview of your story, and then we'll go from there. So I grew up in a little town, a little German town in Minnesota called New Alm. I had a wonderful family, mom and dad and two brothers and two sisters, and lots of good friends. And as a close community, I love the Catholic Church. In fact, so much so, Caleb, that when I was in the fourth grade, I decided God has called me to the vocation of being a priest, so I'm going to join the priesthood. So from the fourth to the eighth grade, that's all I thought about. I was fully sold on why I should be a priest, and my main reason was I just wanted to get closer to God. I thought if I'm a priest, I'll be close to God. When I got to the eighth grade, however, things begin to change in your thinking and your anatomy and all those things. And I thought, well, rather than go right into seminary, which was typically the way you did it then, I'll just go to high school in my hometown for two years. Well, the priests and the nuns begged me not to do that. So if you do that, you'll never end up as a priest. I thought, oh, I got it. Well, midway through my freshman year in high school, the furthest thing from my mind was the priesthood because I had already discovered girls and sports and parties and all kinds of things that led me down a pathway for 10 years of just all-out rebellion, not living for God at all, just turned my back on him, so much so that I ended up getting married at a very early age. And after just a few years, five years of marriage, my wife left me for another man. And frankly, there wasn't much of a husband for her to come home to. But it rocked my world so much so. I had so much pride and ego that I couldn't believe that I was in that spot. It's like, how did this happen? And I ended up literally just on my face and through the help of a neighbor was introduced to the gospel of Jesus. Now I'd heard all that stuff growing up. It was all in my head, but I never really understood it. It'll never go away in terms of the memory and the feelings that occurred on that day. I got on my knees and I called out to God and I confessed what a wretched, you know, rebellious sinner I was. Not so much the external sins as much as the internal attitude of thinking that I could self-sufficiently be in control of my own life. And uh, God was so gracious to let me see the putridness of my sinful nature that I was then able to understand and receive and accept the incredible love that he showed me on the cross. And he literally gave me a visual in my mind's eye of Jesus on the cross. And I'd seen that crucifix in church all the while, but now I understood why he was there for my sins. That's when I hit the deck and I just called out to God. And I just kept confessing and thanking him over and over. He was so gracious and good to forgive me and to give me the opportunity to live a different life. And I asked him to come inside of me and take over. I'm telling you, Caleb, when I got up off my knees, I knew I was a different person. In fact, it's like I glanced off into the corner and I saw this four-foot-high pile of just nasty stuff that came out from, from within me. I went home and I'd never read the Bible before, started reading the Gospel of John and just couldn't stop. So that was quite a few years ago, as in like 46 years ago. I'm still always amazed that there's something new to discover about God when you maintain an intimate relationship with Jesus. I'm grateful for what I went through, grateful for the way God revealed himself, and grateful for the opportunities he allows me to share him with others. 
Absolutely. So that was in your 20s that you 25 years made old. that decision for Christ. And then you went on to get your master's of divinity after that then? Or did you think you were going to be a pastor? Or what was the thought process going forward from that point? I'd already been married and divorced and had a little girl that I was raising as a single dad for 10 years. While I did that, I did go to seminary. And I also was working at a business called Share Media, where we were helping Christian media raise funds. They were nonprofit ministries. We got involved in developing what was called the Shareathon or Pledge Drive. And we get on radio stations and we talk to listeners about funding their ministry. That grew beyond what I thought it was because when I was in seminary, I thought, well, I'll probably end up being in ministry full time. And what's funny is I was in ministry full time, I was just paying for it myself <laughs> through doing right. share media. You know, we got to get past the mindset of, well, those in full-time ministry get a paycheck from the ministry. True, but you get a paycheck from whatever other means you want, and you're still in full-time ministry. So I went with that, and God really blessed my business. I wasn't looking for it. We just wanted to go serve Him by helping other ministries raise money to keep going. And so that developed into a pretty specialized area, working with these ministries, we had great teams out there actually doing the fundraisers for these stations and these other ministries. And I had a chance to work with some great organizations and travel the world and continue to do that until I realized I'm never going to have time to really go after some of the other things that I believe God has called me to. So just a few years ago, I merged my company with another one that was very like-minded. They're going strong. And it allowed me to free up the time to develop and give myself to ministering to men and helping them form a good foundation underneath them so they could grow strong and become leaders in the areas of their fitness and their finances and their faith and their family. So that's where we're at today. Excellent. I think you held up that book before. You wrote this book, What Every Man Needs to Know, if you wouldn't mind holding that up again. Just happened to have a copy handy here, What Every Man <laughs> Needs to Know. But let's get the byline. It's How to Master Faith, Family, fitness, and finances. So the book is literally broken into four sections, and it's full of opportunities to implement the simple principles that I share here from God's Word. So I ask lots of questions. I even kept it in big print because guys don't like thick books yeah. with small print. <laughs> I also did an audio version and an ebook because some guys like that. But there's room to write in here. There's exercises, additional resources. So it really is more like a handbook, a manual, if you will. Now, I really want to dig into this book more. So why did you write the book? What were you seeing about men that you saw some kind of gap where you said, okay, the experiences that I've had, people need to hear some of these things. What was the purpose behind it? The first part of the answer is going to seem a little weird because I certainly wanted to develop this in order for men to be able to gain insight and begin to implement some good disciplines in their life. But the first reason I decided to write is because I knew I was going to write a book. I have some other books percolated, and I just haven't gotten to them. But I didn't want to start with the hardest book first, which is a book on God's nature. There was a presentation in church, and part of it was about doing something of significance in the summer. So this was in June when the service was going on, and I thought, yeah, I got to, what can I do? This? You know what? I'm going to write a book this summer. So I set a goal, June 15th, I'm going to write a book and finish it by September 1st. So that was the thing that got me going. And I thought, what can I write about that I know something about? Well, faith, family, fitness, and finances. I've made mistakes. I've learned a lot. I've experimented. I've taught it. I thought, I'm just going to write that. So I sat down. I did an outline in about 20 minutes. And from that point on, I started both writing and also dictating. Every other day or so, I'd go out on the deck and I'd knock out a little bit more. 
Wendy was wondering, what are you so busy doing? And I thought, yeah, I got a lot of email, honey, a lot of email. See, I didn't want to tell her I was writing a book. I didn't want to tell anybody because I wanted to make sure I'd finish it first. <laughs> so September 1 came, I finished it, and I said to my wife, hey, honey, I wrote a book. What? What do you mean you wrote a book? Yeah, look at So she was like stunned and didn't understand how come I didn't tell her, of course. <laughs> but, but it was kind of fun doing it that way. And then I... Worked with a publisher, worked with an editor, a designer, all that, got the thing loaded and locked, and away we went. So I wanted to make certain that if I'm going to write a book about these areas, it's got to be practical. So yes. when I designed the book, I thought, man, guys, all guys struggle to go deeper in their faith. Every single one of us wants to know, how do I get there? And while I'm not crazy about how-to books, this actually has got a lot of good how-tos in it. And I help men develop disciplines, and discipline's a really good word, techniques, if you will, strategies, practical applications so they can grow deeper, at least give God the opportunity to work with them to grow deeper in their faith. I knew that was the starting point. And I knew that these four areas were sort of like the cornerstones of a man's life. He's going to be everything God intended him to be as one who protects and provides and leads. He's got to be solid in how he is doing in his faith how he's managing family relationships, how he is managing the fitness area of his life. Because if you're not fit, you're not going to have the stamina, the strength, and the wherewithal to carry out God's purpose for you. And you better know what you're doing with your money. So many guys that I know and I've been through myself, we struggle in every single one of these areas to some degree. I haven't met a guy yet who said, I got it all nailed down. Every one of us wants to grow a little bit deeper. So I just want to help lay that foundation and give guys the tools to start growing in those areas. That's amazing. I know a lot of these things that you've written have come from a place of making some of your own mistakes. What do you see as some of the biggest mistakes or or even wrong mindsets in young men today? (laughs) I'll give you the number one one. The number one is that I can't ask for help. I mean, I hate to say it. I'm just like that. I'm wired like that. I ought to know this stuff. So asking for help, I've discovered, is the number one biggest challenge guys face. However, once they admit to that, and generally it's for one of two reasons, it's either they have great pain in one or all of these areas, and they've just kind of had it. They're in a point of almost desperation. I got to get some help in this area. Or there's great vision to grow bigger and better in these areas. That's the motivator that gets them going. But the number one thing is guys just don't like asking for help. When I've worked with guys like that and they discover and we get into a group and there are other guys just like them, (laughs) they realize, wow, you know, we're all in this thing together. I'm not alone in this deal. I'm not such an idiot after all. You know, we're all looking for help. So I found that's the number one. And then to me, the other big area that guys struggle with is it's the faith component. It's one thing to believe and to know, but it's another thing to experience God. Just like when you were courting your wife or whatever you were doing to try to get to know who she is before you marry her, so it is with God. We've just got to spend time. It's not that complicated, but a lot of guys need help and encouragement and motivation and even some instruction without it becoming a a religious ritual that has no meaning to them. So I think once that thing gets in place and a guy starts growing, he gets even more excited about applying what he knows to building strong family relationships. And I find out of all four of these, besides faith, I think the family relationship thing, every guy's challenge. Every man is a son. So number one, he's got a relationship with his parents. 
And so many have gone through trying times with one or both of their parents. And oftentimes it's with the dad. And that has had this ripple effect that's caused other problems in a man's life. He's got to get down to brass tacks on that and understand what that relationship was like and to start to make some efforts at getting healed and repair and restore that relationship. I mean, that's just one example in family relationships. Obviously, married guys have got the added opportunity of learning what it means to be a husband. <laughs> it sounds so simple when you hear the Bible verse quoted in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And I go, yeah, that's how I got to. Well, what does that really mean on a day-to-day basis, right? How do I really do that? And I'll just share this real briefly because maybe someone can relate to this. But before I married Wendy, a good friend of hers took me aside and he said, Todd, I want to share something with you that God taught me. Never try to love your wife the way you think you ought to love her. It's like, what? Only love your wife the way God wants to love her. Ask yourself every day, how does God want to love Wendy today? Because that's what you're going to do. You know, you think you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Maybe God's got an entirely different idea in mind. And I have found that over and over again when I get to that point of saying, yeah, God, how can I love Wendy like you want it? Because I'm your hands and feet today for her. One sort of insight that I think can revolutionize a marriage if you really take that serious and start walking that out. Wow, that's so good. Now, I heard you say that the thing that usually shakes a man from being in that place where they take some action and start asking for help is either they're in so much pain, they're at the absolute ground zero, they don't know where to go, or they have some kind of hope for the future. Maybe they've just been floating through life. Maybe they've been living an average life and they feel like I was made for more. So I want to hear you talk to one of our listeners. Let's picture this person as somebody who's in one of those places And they don't necessarily know where to start. Maybe they don't feel like they have a church, a community, or they don't know who to ask for help. Where do you start when you're in that place where if somebody's listening to you right now and they say, that's me, what he just described as me, how do I get free? The first thing I would do is I'd look for somebody that is living the way you'd like to live. Now, it isn't that tough. There's somebody around you either at work or within your family or with a network or somewhere along the way where you think that person might have it a little more figured out than I have it. I develop a relationship with that person and find out because some of the best ways that we learn is from modeling after others. I mean, after all, those of you who are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. More is caught than taught. And oftentimes the way you parent is the way you saw yourself or felt yourself being parented, right? So find a model if you can. Now, if there's just nobody around, then I want to encourage you to get online or whatever you got to do, but find a church that have got a really strong men's group and get rid of your fear and park your pride over in the corner because there's a whole lot more at stake than you feeling embarrassed that you're asking for help. What's at stake is you growing deeper, bigger, stronger, and fulfilling the purpose that God has for you as a man. That's your motive for going and doing what might be a little uncomfortable. Let me tell you, there are churches out there have got some vibrant men's groups that you can begin to plug into, whether it's a men's Bible study or a men's social group or whatever it is, somewhere along the line, you can find that opportunity. And when you do, you'll find guys just like you that want to grow in these areas and struggle with the same things you struggle with. I'm fortunate enough to be part of a church where we've got an incredible men's ministry. And the guy who leads that, he's the man's man. Everybody wants to be like Bob. And he took that 
group of about 50 to 100 guys in the church, and he grew it. We've got over 900 guys coming to Bible studies and men's groups every week because men want to be everything God's called them to be, but we got to have each other to help us get there. Yes. I was at a conference, this is several years ago, and a lot of people were talking about all the different issues within society and all the different issues in the church and all the different ways that we can fix it. Somebody stood up and they said, not to belittle what everyone's just said, but all of these problems would be solved if men came into who they're meant to be. And then went on to lay out all these reasons for how basically the breakdown in the family and the breakdown in society really in large part comes from men not stepping into the fullness of who they're called to be. So I think it's so important, this ministry and this message that God has given to you. I want to jump in a little deeper on these four subjects. So faith, family, fitness, and finances. I'm sure you had different seasons where each one of those was a struggle, but was there any one of those four that was really difficult for you to get a handle on, or did any of them come really naturally to you? Nothing came naturally to me, I promise you that. (laughs) Family (laughs) was probably the toughest thing because, as I mentioned earlier, my first marriage, my wife left me for another man, and that just shattered everything, but also opened up my eyes to realize that I wasn't even close to what a husband should be. And of course, when I had two little girls and I was co-raising them half the time for 10 years, I had a little one who was six years old and another three months old. You learn a lot in a hurry about what it takes to be a dad, especially as a single dad. But I had the advantage now of being in Christ. So I knew I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I learned a lot about what to do as a dad that can have a good outcome later on. Both my daughters are just incredible models of good Christian women and mothers and wives. So that was probably the tougher one is going through the family relationships. I had a tough relationship with my dad growing up. He was a good, good man, but he and I didn't connect very well, especially when I went into my rebellious years. (laughs) After I got through that, I started to see my dad entirely differently. And came to a place inside of me where I let go of some things that I had been harboring against him. And my dad was your typical strong, stubborn German, and they don't show emotion. And in the latter years of my dad's life, last 10, 15 years, and he was a hugger. He was my biggest fan. I was his biggest fan. Just absolutely loved each other. And that was the miracle working power of God healing a relationship. That was a tough one. So I learned a lot about fathers, and I teach guys now whether you think you got a good dad or a bad dad or an in-between dad, we're called to honor our father and our mother. And on top of everything else, besides just the advantage of being obedient, we get a blessing on top of it. It's the only commandment that promises that you'll live long and have this wonderful, prosperous life. So I think that's not a bad deal. But there is something to be said about really understanding practical ways that you can show honor to your father, honor to your mother, even if they were not the ideal beaver cleaver family if they were just not the kind of dad or mom that you wanted. Doesn't matter. God can bring you through with the healing and give you opportunity to still show honor for their position, not necessarily the way they conducted themselves. So so I could go on and on about family because that's a big one. That for me personally is probably bigger. For me, I had to change my whole perspective and I'm still changing my perspective on finances. I know what the Bible teaches about it. Some great principles in there. But you can get a little stuck in that poverty mindset. It's so funny. Wendy and I were just talking about that this morning, and I still have a tendency to jump back into that place of, gosh, I can't have that, or I don't deserve this, or maybe I shouldn't be making so much money. Whatever it is, it's something that needs a correction 
that I believe God can give through really understanding his word and beginning to apply these principles and changing a mindset. And so that's part of what King's Council is all about. Not part, it's a big part of what King's Council is about. Kingdom entrepreneurship and how to really handle that. You know, when I was a little boy, there was a show on called The Millionaire. It's way before your time, Caleb. But I loved watching that show. I was about 10 years old. And this guy is an anonymous giver. He'd write out checks for $1 million. And then he'd send his assistant to somebody's door, knock on the door and hand him the check. The rest of the story would unfold how that person handled the money. Well, all I knew back then is I want to be a millionaire. I want to give away millions of dollars. Got into high school, again, furthest thing from my mind. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> that money is all for me. That went on until, again, until I met Christ. And then you have a whole change of attitude towards money. Right. So you mentioned having a poverty mindset. Why do you think so many Christians struggle with that? Where do you think that comes from? Well, I think sometimes we hear the argument and we have models in front of us, like Mother Teresa from Calcutta. What does she have? She had nothing. But in reality, she had everything, everything she needed to do kingdom work, even though it wasn't hers. By the way, she was an awesome, awesome fundraiser <laughs> without sending out fundraising appeal letters or getting on the radio. She just had a way of pretty much letting people know that here's the need and God's going to use you to meet it. But I think sometimes that poverty mindset is because we feel guilty about the things that we think we shouldn't have or we don't deserve. And maybe partly that's because we don't fully believe or understand the love that God has for us. And maybe somewhere we get it mixed up thinking that if I'm really to be successful, I have to have a lot of money. And that's just a wrong interpretation of what that word really means. So if I stop stressing or fussing so much about having money or not having money, I put me in a better position to actually experience success, which is fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And I think God's purpose for those of us who've been given opportunities is also to be influential in the kingdom. And it's tough to do when you just don't have much money to deal with. So there's, I'm sure, lots of things on a personal level for each one of us that we could sort of point to that said, well, that was the thing that sort of reinforced my poverty mindset of why I don't deserve it and why others need it more than me. And I even bring Jesus into the mix and say, well, he didn't have anything. Then he tell that rich young ruler to sell everything and give to the poor. I think we misunderstand the full meaning of the context within what Jesus was referring to. I'm still getting freed up and others need to get freed up to not see money as a bad thing or having lots of money. I love what somebody shared in our King's Council recently. You know, it's not about having the newest stuff, not having the, the fancy new car in the driveway and the big house and all that. Maybe God gives you some of that and you share it and you're okay with it. But isn't it fun to be able to have a lot of money to be able to help others with? I mean, yes. I'll be honest, not getting into specifics, but my greatest joy in giving is not so much for the church budget, although I do that. It's giving internationally. I mean, I know people in third world countries and we're still connected and giving them money to watch them grow their church or meet their family's needs. And that's what it's all about. That'll break your poverty mindset in a hurry. It has for me recently where it said, okay, how can I make more? We can give more. Yes, yes. And that's what I think so many people need to be freed up from is not that, okay, 10% of my money is God's and everything else is mine. And so I just need to make enough for me to be comfortable, which means I shouldn't be making more as opposed to just recognizing that everything that we have is the Lord's. Yeah. And so yeah. we can be more generous as we work towards these things. I did life insurance for a little while. I felt that God put it on my heart to give a car to somebody in the church. 
And it was kind of outside of my reach to give a car at that time. But the thing that made me work so hard to get up in those early mornings and the late nights and just have that really intense work ethic was not my desire even for myself, but it was a desire of, I have this generosity goal. Mm. And that's what I really love when we talk about in the King's Council is not just have an income goal, but have a generosity goal. How can I get to that point where I can bless somebody with this? And then that's where it gets exciting. And I think that's when our work even becomes glorifying or worship to God when, just like you said, where you're getting so excited about what you're able to do in third world countries. And you're saying, how can I make more money so that I can have more impact? I think that's it. When you mentioned that word freedom, there is just tremendous freedom that comes with being generous. Yes. And you think about who's the most generous. If we really want to model after generosity, we look to God. (laughs) We look to Jesus. We look at the constant outpouring of giving that is good motivation for us. Make as much as you can. This is the John Wesley rule. You've probably heard of it. You make as much as you possibly can. You save as much as you can, meaning invest it, and you give away as much as you can. I'll tell you, that's a pretty simple money management principle for life. Absolutely. A lot of my perspective shifted when I was a youth pastor and I was making I don't know, 30,000 a year or less. And we were living in a a basement. Our bed was absolutely, you know, you just wake (laughs) up with back pain every single day and not a good sleep, but we just couldn't afford to get a a nicer bed. And there was a guy in a church who's very successful, really a rock star, essentially. And he just blessed us with a thousand dollars, you know, just Mm -hmm. wrote us a check. So he didn't give me time. It's not like he sat down with me and spent time with me. He didn't teach me necessarily anything. He basically just wrote me a check, but we took some of that money and bought a new mattress and it changed my life, you know? And it's like (laughs) the thing that was needed there was not necessarily mentorship. It wasn't necessarily friendship. It was like, I actually just need a new bed so that I'm not waking up in pain every day. And it just changed something in my mind of, practical needs are actually really important in a lot of seasons. And anyway, just that story, I think, really shifted something in my mindset. You're talking to people right now who are saying, okay, I'm, I mean, I get this. I buy that. I want more money. I know what I'd do if I had more money. I'd give more away. I'd be like that guy. I'd give somebody a check for a thousand bucks, get a new bed. So why aren't I there? Well, how come I don't have the money that I wish I had so I could give it all away? And I think what we have to do is we have to do a little inventory, a little self-evaluation and just really understand how we're doing with our money, with what we do have. And there's certainly something to be said about increasing income. We have to do that and then investing and doing these things wisely. But, you know, first things first, I'm actually doing that again right now where I'm going through all of our expenditures and income and finding out exactly how are you doing on this? Because are there some areas where you're not being a great steward with it? Are you mismanaging a little here or there? Are you not having a discipline in this area? That'd be my first suggestion for everyone is to make sure we do a personal inventory, a balance sheet, if you will, and make certain we know exactly where we're at with our finances and how we could improve things. And nine times out of 10, what you're going to find is you're actually spending a little bit more money than you need to, or you're spending money that you actually don't have. (laughs) Those are two big problems. Solve those and you start making a lot of money. Right, right. Yeah, what would you say to somebody that's in maybe more of a corporate environment or they're an employee? And so sometimes we're talking about making more money and they just think, well, does that mean I hope I get promoted in five to 10 years? Or 
What are some different ways that people can start to increase their wealth if they're not necessarily an entrepreneur or business owner? Yeah, I don't think you can really expect to become financially wealthy from just a high-paid job. Now, I'll take exception to that in some cases if you're the chairman of the board or the president of a corporation and they're paying you $3 million a year, okay, that's a different deal. But for the most part, most of us aren't going to have that financial wealth from a paycheck or a salary. Because when you think about your job or your career, just go as far up the ladder as you can, and there's still a limitation to what you're going to get paid. So in my mind, and I learned this at a fairly early age, almost like kind of backed into it, is that you have to invest. You invest in assets that appreciate. And so that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in the stock market, mutual funds, and all of that stuff. You can be. There are some good investments to be had out there. But there are other assets that you can invest in that grow in value and pay you much more than what your paycheck's ever going to pay you. It's not that complicated, but you do have to start to learn and find out from others how they're doing that. Todd, what you just said to me in the last three years would have been completely mind-blowing because all I ever knew was you grow up, you go to college, and you get a job. And then you climb that ladder and you hope that you keep getting promoted to some point. Or you get to a point where you're comfortable and then you live that way for the rest of your life. So literally what you just said, I think even for me personally, but I think for many of our listeners will have been completely earth shattering to hear somebody say, you'll never be truly financially free until you start to leverage whether it be your time, your skill, your money, into some kind of asset, something that's actually producing more wealth for you. Yeah, exactly. And this is not a matter of taking a certain amount of your income and setting aside into, quote, savings. You can't go to a bank and get a money market fund or anything that's going to make you any money. You have to put it into investments. And there's so many to be had out there. So be careful. Find models who are doing this and have figured it out, and copy them, talk with them, develop a relationship. I had a text just yesterday from somebody who said, hey, I saw you on this investment call, and can we talk? I'd like to learn more about it. And I'm still learning, but also very aware that, yes, you can grow your financial base way beyond what you thought you could if you look beyond your paycheck or beyond the the monthly amount of money that's coming in and start investing it. Doesn't mean you have to be a crypto expert overnight and do NFTs and make $400,000 in your first drawing. But, you know, there are other opportunities. <laughs> Real estate being But a that big sounds one. good, too. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who they say, okay, I definitely need help with my family. I, of course, want to grow in fitness, obviously want to grow in finances, but I'm not so sure about the faith aspect. Maybe I'll just put that one on the back burner. I'll focus on these other three, but I'm going to try to go for three out of the four of these. What would you say to that person? Why? (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to start with the very thing that unlocks everything else? If you want to be quote, successful in every area of life, it starts with having an intimate relationship with your creator. Because God, again, he thought of you before he even created the world, and he puts you on this earth in this time and place for something very specific that he wants to do through you. So if we will tap in to developing an intimacy with your creator, we will have a much better way of understanding why I am like I am and what I 
enjoy doing and what I don't enjoy doing and what I believe I'm here for. Why are you taking up space on planet Earth? God's got a reason for that. And if we just keep ramming and jamming in all these other areas and getting bigger and stronger in all these areas and we don't have the faith, none of it's really going to have any kind of great outcome that God has not only planned but promised for us. So who wouldn't want to get there, right? I'm telling you, the key that unlocks it all is to grow your faith, become more intimate. And whatever it takes to do that, whether it's just joining a Bible study for the first time or going to the right church consistently, using Bible apps, there's so much stuff out there. There's no reason why we can't. Wendy and I are reading a book on contemplative prayer. I love it and I hate it because it it is showing me that the real value comes when you just stop all the time with God and you start listening. And you know what? To listen, you got to get really quiet. You probably know this, Caleb. A few months ago, I went to a monastery for 10 days. You talk about going crazy in solitude, <laughs> but it was so good for me. You realize just how dependent you are on external stuff coming in. And once you get stripped of that, you open yourself up for ways in which God can really begin to be heard, right? And that's what we all want. God, speak to us so we know your heart. And then I'll be able to do what you've called me to do. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I do encourage our listeners to pick up a copy of your book, What Every Man Needs to Know. Where's the best place for somebody to get that book? Yeah, just head to Amazon. It comes in all three versions, Audible, with yours truly narrating. I had a lot of fun doing that because I got to put the little nuances in there. And then also the ebook version. I think it's pretty cheap too. It's like 12 bucks or something on Amazon. This is leading into now a course that we're developing called What Every Man Needs to Do. I've done it a couple of times with a couple of different groups of men and excited about launching another one April 1st. Caleb, if you don't mind, if anybody wants some information, just eventually we'll have it all up there. But right now you'll find out sort of the initial stuff on my website, toddisburner.com. Is that in person? Is it online? Is it a coaching program? Tell me a little bit more about that. It's an online program, and we invite men to join us for a seven-week course. It literally walks through the book every section. We've got assignments and challenges every week. We interact one time a week live on Zoom. We're able to walk through these issues with each other. We get to give reports on how we're doing, get encouragement and insight from the other guys. And I think I've found more than anything else, what guys love is just knowing there are other guys going through this together, being able to help each other. And these guys continue to maintain friendships with each other after the course, which is fantastic. And we're going to provide that opportunity for guys who are going to develop a community so guys have got a good landing place to keep the fires burning. So, yeah, we're excited about that. I'm partnering with another friend, Justin Mena, who has got some great specialties in some of these areas, and we're going to co-partner on this project together. Excellent. Well, that's so exciting. I do think it's a strategy of the enemy. I don't know if you would agree with this, but to isolate people. And some people might think, well, I'll just get the book and do it myself. But can you speak to the community aspect portion of that? Again, as men, in part, we're wired to be mavericks. But if we push that to the extreme, we end up just like you said, Caleb, we're isolated. We're trying to do this all on our own to sort of prove to ourselves that I got what it takes. That's not the way to walk it out. And so we fool ourselves into believing, yeah, I'll just pick up a copy of the book. I read through this, answer the questions, and I'm on my way. Really? How are you really going to know whether or not you're growing in these areas unless you've got men who are like-minded, who are alongside of you saying, how are you doing with this? Because I'm struggling with that. And we're able to 
help one another, support one another, give insights to each other. You know, I've been around a while, Caleb, and yet I'm still learning some great stuff. And I love it that I learned from young guys who are learning some of this stuff for the first time. There's still ways of gaining insights. And you get in with a good community, your growth rate accelerates quickly versus just dragging on, trying to figure it out. Got a few hits, got a few misses. I'm telling you, get in with a bunch of guys who are after the same thing. You watch the fire start raging. It'll be awesome. Yes. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, if somebody has been listening to you today and they want to connect more with you, can people contact you or what's the best way for people to get more of you in their life? Again, you can come to my website and there's a couple of freebies on the website that you can grab. You can connect with me there. Just email me. You can catch me on social media, direct message me. That's great too. Would love to hear from you and just share more information about opportunities that are available for you to join other men who are on the same quest of getting strong, being everything that God called them to be, fulfilling their purpose in life, being that provider, that protector, and that leader. This is who God made you to be. He wired you to be a man. (laughs) You get to live out the fullness of your manness with other men who want the same thing. You don't have to succumb to the cultural pressure right now and their interpretation of what a man ought to be. Vanilla, insignificant, nobody. No, you are somebody, and you're the man that God created you to be. So let's get after it. Let's dig out our manhood and live it out. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to bring this to a close here in a minute, but is there anything else you were hoping to chat about today that I didn't ask you about or you wanted to get in there? Just one other thing I would just want to add on, because I'm thinking about how do we generate our faith beyond the things that we talked about, church, Bible studies, resources. I just want to encourage you. I've been on several of these, but there may be an opportunity for you through your church or some other organization to do an overseas missions trip. (laughs) I've got so many stories I could share with you of myself and others who've gone out on missions trips, even though it's unfamiliar, uncomfortable, scary. Man, the outcome of that is your relationship with God gets so unbelievably strong because you see him in his miracle-working Holy Spirit power at work in ways that go way beyond what you could do on your own. Just a quick side on that. A couple of years ago, I was able to join what we call the Extreme Team, 13 men. We went to Nepal, and I had to train for four months because we were going to be backpacking in the Himalayas. And I thought, oh my God, I'm the oldest guy. How am I going to be able to do this? You know, Man, you talk about just depending upon Holy Spirit power to get through. And we saw people tucked away in remote villages that nobody's ever been to heard about Jesus for the very first time, person after person after person opened up their hearts to Jesus when they understood how much he loves them and why he made them. And that reignited my faith in a big way. And it can do the same for you. So I want to encourage you. That is one way if you really want to experience some exponential growth in your faith, think about getting overseas and sharing Jesus with others. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Todd, you are just a wealth of knowledge and experience and wisdom to anyone listening. If you have a podcast, I would do whatever you can to try to get Todd and Wendy on your podcast because, man, what you shared today, and I'd love to see if we could lock down another time. I'd love for you and Wendy to come on together. I would love that. And the (laughs) three of us could chat, whether it be about family or, or really anything. I just feel like there's so much wisdom that you'll be able to share with people. So Todd has been an absolute privilege and an honor having you on the call today. Thank you, my friend. God's doing some great things through you, through the podcast, through King's Council. Thanks for letting us be part of it.
Absolutely. And to all of you listening, thanks for being here with us. Again, this is The Chosen Podcast, and I'm your host, Caleb Spittler. We will catch you on the next episode of The Chosen Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Chosen Podcast, powered by The King's Council. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also watch this podcast and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.